Steve Bolton, you're here on My Turning Point with special guest Kevin Olasula from Pentatonics. We just had Kevin on the show back in December for a Christmas My Turning Point, and we had so much fun and such a fascinating conversation. We thought, well, why not do a Valentine's theme one? And man, this conversation does not disappoint from talking about the weekend and how he ended up meeting his wife to the band's new album, The Lucky Ones. We really cover a lot of stuff. I really appreciate Kevin being on the show and being so open and so honest, and he definitely adheres to the Stevie Wonder rule. Let's do the Pentatonics Valentine special. So, I'm you know. so down. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So, so what's your turning point in relationships or your turning point in love? Oh, man, my turning point in love? You know what? I would probably say it's realizing that there's a difference from what I want and a difference from what I need. You know, the person that I married, you know, she is everything that I need and I absolutely love her and we complement each other so well. I think sometimes when you're young, you have these um, fantasies of, oh, if I could date this person and that person, if they had this and that. But it's not until you start to date. It's, it's right. like making an album. Truly, it's like making an album. Jay-Z talked about whenever he's trying to make an album, he's trying to figure out the truth of 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 the moment, right? I feel like you're trying to figure out the truth of what is absolutely going to make you tick and what you think you need is not ex- sometimes exactly what you need. And once I finally realized the things that I needed in my life, my wife walked into my life and it's been, I mean, amazing ever since. Nice, how long have you guys been married? Wow, it'll be a year and goodness, like six months probably? Because we got married in September of 2019. So it's September, October, November, December, January, February. So yeah, a year and five months. Crazy. What? All right. So now a very obvious question, because I just did a thing with Verdine White from Earth, Wind & Fire talking about the song September. You mm-hmm. got married in September. Did you di- did you have the song at the wedding? Did you dance to it? Oh, we definitely danced to it. Definitely, <laughs> definitely danced to it. But you know what was really exciting for me? I... So... I did a personal project called the Renegade EP five, six years ago now. And one of the pieces that I, uh, I did on, on that EP was a, quartet, a cello quartet version of All of Me. And so she walked down the aisle to that and oh my goodness, I was not dry in the eye at all. <laughs> Let me tell you right now, people were like, is he really going down like that crying? I said, yes, cause I've waited for that moment all my life to hear that song. and. And that, and then to be able to do September in, I mean, just the most beautiful place, everybody dancing. We were, we were in Simi Valley for our, our wedding at this place called Hummingbird Nest Ranch. It's just such an amazing place. And the weather was right. And man, music, the vibe and how that brings to, brings um, meaning to a space like marriage. You know, it's, it's amazing, man. Oh, no question. So in addition to all of me, you know, which is awesome that it was your song that, you know, made you tear it's funny when you were doing that song five six years ago could you have ever pictured that use of the song like when you were making the song did you know that you wanted that song at your wedding or was it just something that like you know it kind of evolves over time it's something that definitely evolved over time i i i i did it as i believe i don't think she knew 
it was happening when I did it. No, no, I'm sorry. She didn't know because we had to pick it out with the DJ. Um, but I definitely didn't realize it when I was making it. I, I, I just did it because I thought it was a beautiful song and I knew I could probably represent it well with the way that I played cello. And so that's why I did it. But I could never realize that it would be, you know, the song that she would walk down to. So it was it was such it was a thrill. And, and I think that's why I also love Pentatonic so much, because I feel like we do a lot of music that becomes people's part of their love story, becomes a part of their Christmas story. And there's love within Christmas. And so it's just it's it's really beautiful that it, it comes full circle with everything that's going on in this in this world. All right. So, obviously, well, before we come on to that uh, and the new album, Lucky Ones, I do have a couple questions, that, you know. So what's, yeah. what are, what's your Valentine's Day playlist? What are those songs that, you know, you go back to? again and again and again like to you the greatest love songs of all time oh my gosh wow that's a big very tall order um wow that's a really good song i haven't really thought about that in in such a long time i would say definitely something by the bgs for sure i love that song like that's definitely one of the biggest ones um yeah how deep is your love goodness what else you know what? My wife would be probably better at that one because she'll it's for me. A lot of the times when I think about love, I actually listen to a lot of classical music, you know, because there's so much passion there. So I think about, you know, if I'm thinking about the depths of love in, in terms of like a storm raging, I listen to Rachmaninoff, um, piano concerto in C minor. Like that's like that's the kind of thing I think of whenever I really think about it. So for me to translate it sometimes into pop music is a little bit dif- more difficult. I don't know why. No, that that's awesome. I mean, and and so by the way, do you remember then what other songs were played at your wedding? Like, what were a couple oh, of other wow. songs played? We did a lot of Motown. She because she wanted a huge Motown playlist. Oh my god, she! I wish my wife was in this interview because she <laughs> would murder this right now. But no, because she she really she wanted to curate that more than anything. And so I said, you know what, babe, I love you. You do that. So. That's interesting when you mentioned the Motown because obviously we just lost Mary Wilson last night. So, mm-hmm. who was one of the all-time icons? So, is there a favorite Supreme song or one song that you go back to? Oh my gosh, you're asking me questions that like because they have so many hits. I, I think the Supremes and just the era of that music. What I loved so much was the simplicity of the message, but it cut deep because they were not trying to frou frou it, fluke, and 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 put fluff on it. They just wanted to tell you the simplicity of that message and let the music around it, especially the strings, especially the orchestration, especially the arrangement, I mean, get you into that well of emotion that makes music so unbelievably captivating. So that's what I loved about Supremes, and that's what I loved about that era. Well, it's interesting, putting it to Pentatonix's question, if there was one Supreme song that Pentatonix would do, what would you want it to be? Oh... Man, don't ask me these hard questions because there's so many. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna pick one because it, there's just so there. I want I would want the band to be on that conversation because I want all of us to be of a, of one accord. Fair enough. That's that's totally fair. Uh, all right. And before we come on to lucky ones, but since we are doing Valentine's theme movies, the, those like what? And I guess this is probably the your wife's favorite movies, the the romantic movies you can watch again and again. Yeah, we definitely love, she loves The Wedding Planner so, 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 so much. That one's a beautiful one. I love that. 
I mean, when Harry met Sally, goodness gracious, what else? The Notebook. My wife loves The Notebook. Oh, <laughs> she loves that movie. Uh, I mean, Fifty First Dates, Forty Year Old Virgin, which is just hilarious. Like, I don't know. There's so many good ones. I, I think more on the comedy side for sure. That's that's where we lean. Nice. I like that. So more on the romantic comedy side. So what, what for you is like the the best romantic comedy or the the one that when she wants to watch it makes you just laugh the most. You know, I really love 40 Year Old Virgin. That one is so unbelievably funny. And Steve Carroll just, he does an amazing job. He, he is one of the most amazing <laughs> actors to me because when he's funny, he's funny. But when he's serious, he is serious and he does it so unbelievably well. The Morning Show, what? That was incredible. Truly incredible. Yeah, no, I love him. I'm a huge Office fan and I actually got to meet him once, an amazing guy. Um, oh, wow. All right, so lucky ones. It's interesting. Yeah. So now that we're tying all this in, let's tie this in with original music. I mean, because, you know, look, as you talked about, one of the things you love about Pentatonix is that it entwines in people's lives. So for the songs from this album, as you guys started to put these songs together, were there ones that you particularly associate with, like, relationships, with Valentine's Day, with loves, or ones that you just know that, you know, okay, people are going to connect with this? Because, like, I talk about it with artists all the time, right? You always are doing the best you can. But sometimes you just hit upon something on a song where you're like, that just feels special. And you almost don't even know where the song comes from. Oh, my gosh. One hundred percent. There are a few songs like that. Um, I think a little space definitely is one of those, because sometimes within the within the kind of entanglements of love, sometimes you don't realize, oh, you may, maybe there's some red flags here that I need to think about. You know, because you're so focused on love and you realize, you know what, I may need a little bit of space so that I can think about this and and really make sure that everything's in line with the vision that I have for my life when it comes to love. Um, love me when I don't. Oh, my gosh. I think that's definitely one. I love that that one is very empowering and very strong in that, because I think that's what you need whenever you're not feeling your best. You need somebody to be there to say, hey, I, I see you for everything you are the good, the bad, the mistakes, all the faults, and I'm gonna be right there in your corner, no matter what. It's unconditional. So I love that song for that. Love me when I don't. Um, gosh, I think those are the two that, that, that spark that emotion when I first think of it. Probably also Coffee in Bed. It's just like a cute song where, you know, the, the simplicities in life, even those simplicities mean so much. And, and, and sometimes we don't take the time to recognize that, hey, if you're hurting, I'll, I'll bring you coffee in bed. That simple one act, that could do wonders for somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's interesting taking it into the writing process. I mean, is it written like from a group standpoint or do people bring in individual songs and then you work on them? Like take me through sort of, because the reason I ask is like when you hear these songs, you know, is there an instantaneous thing where you feel it right away? Or is it something that when you're writing it, you know, I mean, you know, take me through the writing process and we can uh, elaborate from there. Sure. I think it's different for, for each person, but I will say this. So from our first album, 2015, the first original album, there was so much growth that each one of us went through. We've been through relationships. We have been through drama, if you will. We've been through a lot in the five years we wrote this album. In addition, we were all finding our own artistic voices, doing our own songs, right? Doing our own pieces with Superfruit doing their stuff or Kirstie putting out her album, right? So I think the confluence of them finding their artistic voice and going through these different relationship uh, 
going through these different relationships, if you will. I think it really helped so much when we came together and finally wrote because now we were one more clear about who we are, who we are artistically, but then the types of things that mean so much to us writing wise. So each person would come with different types of ideas for songs. They'd come with different types of lyrics for songs. And then we were able to suss them out much quicker and identify quickly, oh, this is what the nucleus of the song needs to be. So I think that really helped. And so, yeah, sometimes it was, we would, you know, it was just based off of a feeling. And we said, oh, this is what it needs to feel like. Oh, let's do this. That's how A Little Space came. And then the lyrics came. But then there's somewhere, you know, for example, Kirsty, she loves to write these long poems, these, these long songwritery lyrics that are just beautiful. And then she needs to find the right type of sonics that match that. So it's interesting. By the way, when I was holding up my finger, it was to my dog to let him know we're going out soon. Because um, <laughs> okay. he's, he's like restless and he's like, dude, because it's been a busy morning. But, uh, you know, it's so fascinating to me. I mean, so for you, you know, having done the cello album, having done individual projects. So it's interesting because I talk about this with artists all the time, right? When you get to do your own thing, it reinvigorates a band. So for you guys, when you got to do all this stuff and then brought it back in to write Lucky Ones, were there things that you found that you had learned as an individual that you're like, you didn't even realize necessarily that you had learned that until it came time to work within Pentatonics again? Oh my gosh, 100%. I think the, the, the number one thing that I realized throughout my artistic journey, because I grew up listening to instrumental music, classical, jazz, I was a saxophonist, I was a cellist, right? So for me, it was always about the music being the storyteller, not necessarily the lyric. And figuring out that fine balance between the lyric and the melody for that lyric to really make the song come alive I think that's the thing that I learned so much in those five years because I was doing now my own projects, singing on my own songs, writing my own lyrics and now realizing, oh, these are the types of things that I want to say. These are the types of stories. And so I really wanted to make sure that when we have a song on the album, that it really is telling a story because stories are so visual that you can see what's going on and that makes an imprint in your mind. So I think we did that very well, to be honest. I'm, I'm really proud of that. And we worked with some great songwriters that had been so well-versed in that world that our acapella sonics that tell a certain type of story, paired with their ability to help us craft those lyrics and melody, I think this album, because of that, is gonna be extremely worthwhile for people to listen to. And it's gonna be elevated. I'm so excited for people to hear it. So it's interesting for you going back and listening to because I talk about this with artists all the time too, right? When you're making a record, you're in the midst of it. You don't necessarily have perspective. It's only when you right. go back and hear it. So for you, knowing that you guys all had this journey, are there moments on there that when you look back on it kind of surprise you and like, oh, okay, like we couldn't have done this five years ago. Like this is, you know. Oh my gosh, 100%. I mean, one of the things I think about is, once again, we, we just weren't clear about the types of messages that we needed to say. Also, we understood ourselves from a cover standpoint to arrange, but we didn't necessarily know what the parameters were when it came to writing an original record for acapella. Does this mean that we can stack our voices a million times because people aren't used to that? Does that mean we can use more stomps and claps? We weren't used to that. This album, I'm excited because I think we figured out this beautiful hybrid of modern production with what we do naturally. You know what I mean? So sometimes, for example, you'll hear our voices sound like plucked synths 
because we modified our voices a little bit to sound like that. That's so cool. You'll hear sometimes our voices, especially the lucky ones, it sounds like um, almost like a, like, a, like a horn, but it's because we modified it to sound that way, but it's, it's acapella. It's just things that we haven't done, but people have done in the, I say the pop production world for vocals. And we just never experimented with that because we wanted to be so pure. But, you know, we've been at this 10 years now. Let's experiment. Let's have fun. Let's try things. Well, it's also, I mean, there's a couple different directions to go in with that. And one, do you feel like because the success you've had and because as we started off talking about, you have such a, a devoted and loyal fan base it gave you more confidence and more freedom to be able to say, okay, cool. Now, you know, we've identified and we've established who we are. We can, you know, experiment a little bit more and we can do this. And we know that like, you know, our fans trust us. Well, I would say it was more of like a tightrope because there are so many people that love us in our, I, I would believe that they're purists about our art that they love what we do. Oh, five-part harmony, the beatboxing is clear. And so going into this space, I think we wanted to find that balance of, we want to experiment because we just want to try new things, but also respect and revere the tradition that we've had this whole time. And I think that was nerve wracking because we wanted to make sure that the fans really liked it. That's something that we always want to make sure. So um, I can't say that we were just very confident that the fans would love the music because it, it I think a lot of times it was a risk. And you also hear a lot of artists or, or, or who start off early, have a certain sound, and then they go kind of more pop, if you will. And then the fandom, the, the core fandom, is so unbelievably sad because they lost that tint of what made them them from the beginning. And they felt like they were, they, it's ours. It's, it's not for the whole world to hear. So I think just figuring that balance out was just so difficult because we want to respect them, but we want to try new things that reach other people. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. And it's funny because I was smiling as you said that, because I mean, look, man, that goes back to the beginning of music history. I'm sure, right. I'm sure back, you know, I think back to like in the eighties when a band like REM, you know, signed with a major label and people were like, Oh, they're sellouts. But I mean, I'm laughing because I'm sure that, you know, back in the day, there were three people who saw Shakespeare's first play and then he did Macbeth and they're like, He's a fucking sellout. You know? right, exactly. <laughs> but like, but, but, but those did taming of the he did taming of the shoe, and people were like, right. "Oh, now he's writing comedy." You know, exactly. Yeah, but it's interesting for you. Then, do you also find for for each of you, you know, as a collective, look, you're married now, right? I don't know how right. many of the people in the band are married. I don't know how many have families. But the reason I mentioned that is because look, as you get older and you get more comfortable and more confident in your life, it does give you a lot more freedom and you right. also like i was just interviewing the brazilian singer bill belgio recently and we were talking about the fact she lost both her parents making this album at that point music just doesn't really matter you know so you stop worrying about when you when you go through major life things you just don't give a shit what other people think anymore right of course and and, and that's why i think it's amazing to be with fans that will be with you throughout that whole journey and to take them along you know I, and i think it's all i do think it's interesting and also on another point that, for example, when, when you're making your, maybe your first record, right? You're young, you're hungry, you, you know, might not have had that success, right? You're living in, as we were, in an apartment, uh, all of us, you know, $600 a month, you know, per, per person for rent. So you're willing to do things that just try to get people to see who you are, what you're doing, right? But then you have a little bit of success and maybe you feel a little bit more comfortable and the types of things that you're thinking about, the types of things you're probably writing about, 
they change. I think Logic, honestly, I love his, he had this single called Dad Bod, where he was talking about, oh, well, you want me to rap about the stuff I used to rap about when I was hungry and I was trying to figure out my life? Look, my life is, I'm a dad, I wake up, I change diapers, these are the things that I think about. It's not like it used to be, and you can't hold me to that as an artist. Because I, my life has changed, and the things I'm thinking about is different. I, it's hard for me to tap into that previous uh, space in life. I'm out of there, right? So it, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult uh, thing. That's what I think also probably why Jay-Z's like, if you like my old albums, buy my old albums. Like, that, that was in a space in life. That's, that's where I was. So, yeah, man. Well, it's funny because, I mean, you know, looking at it, Chalk, you're good. When you think about Chalk... <laughs> he wants to be part of this interview, too. He's like, dude, he's like, I think he's just like, I want to go to the damn bathroom. <laughs> he's like, enough of this, man. But it, it's really okay. funny because you think, look, there is, and I mean, it's also, I think that's what ultimately resonates with people long run is because look, man, like, okay, right. I love Led Zeppelin. I grew up on Led Zeppelin. To me, maybe the greatest rock band, the only band that's in the conversation with, you know, the Beatles for greatest rock band of all time. That's my personal belief. Mm, wow. I remember Robert Plant putting out a solo album, you know, early on where he talked about like, you know, this woman down the street and like he couldn't get her. And it's like, dude, when was the last time Robert Plant got shot down by a woman ever? <laughs> you know, probably 1968. And it's right. like, so it's not, you know, he's great. He's amazing. But it's like, you know, I, I think people know when you're not being authentic and you're trying to do something that, you know, is what people want to hear versus where you are in life today. You know, so for you guys, when you go back and hear the re the lyrics to this album, when you go back and hear the lyrics to Lucky One, you know, are there those moments on there where, you know, and this often happens too, because so much good writing is subconscious. So right. then it'll come out and you'll be like, wow, I didn't even know that I was thinking that, or I didn't know that I was realizing that. Oh my gosh. One hundred percent. I mean, truly, I, I, I think about a little space because that was the first song for me when, you know, we were writing it. It was me, Kirsty, Matt Coma, and also Dan Book where I just kind of had this, this thing that I'd been thinking about for a while. I was like, and I just felt like, oh, it'd be a cool three-part harmony. And I didn't realize I was saying these, I was mumbling these words that I knew I kind of wanted to say, but, and it was coming from deep within me. And then Matt was just being like, oh, I think I need, I think I need a little. And I was like, wait, that's, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. It's so subconscious. And I'm like, oh, that's the space I was in when I was trying to say these things. It's so, it, it, it's, it's amazing. It's a spiritual journey making music. It, it, truly, truly spiritual. Oh, no question. So, so it's interesting for you then, you know, take me through some of those like most surprising moments. So when you go back and you, know, you look at the subconscious and you mentioned a little space, obviously, and how you had sort of the melody to begin with, but are there lyrical moments on there? Or when you go back and listen to the collective work as a whole, you know, Ooh. where you hear like, okay, there's like maybe a through line in there that you didn't know there would be that through line until you got to the end and you're like, oh, okay, I see now what we did. You know what? I, I think that culmination, if you're talking about that, is going to be the song, The Lucky Ones, for sure. Because we've written all these songs from all of our individual perspectives, but the most amazing thing is that we'd all been on this collective journey seeing each person going through these individual journeys and, and having these experiences, but we maintained the authentic love of each other throughout this journey, seeing each other grow. That's why when we finally, when Scott wrote the song, The Lucky Ones, and I hear that when I think, oh, that's been this whole journey. 
that's the song that says, look how far we've, we've come. And it was also unexpected. Like the love, the, the loss of love, the, you know, going from losing a band member to getting a new band member, all these things that each one of us going through our own love. It's, but we're still together and we're still doing this. That is beautiful. And so I think that's the through line. It's, it's, it's coming of age, it's maturity, it's progress, and we can do it together. I love that kind of as a wrap-up note on the album. So is there anything else on the album that we didn't talk about? Man, I don't know what else we need to talk about. Go, go buy the album, please. We, we, <laughs> we worked so hard on this thing. <laughs> Uh, but then we'll wrap it up on the on the Valentine's Day theme. What was your most memorable Valentine's Day? Or or you know what? Let's mm. rephrase because you're you're a newlywed. You're still yeah. a, a year and a half. That's still relatively okay. Well, let, let me. I'm trying to phrase it. What did you guys do last Valentine's? Day? It's funny too, by the way, because we talked about this for Christmas. I know you're very rarely home at Christmas. Last Valentine's Day was pre-pandemic. Did you get to be home? Did you get to be with your wife? Oh man, last Valentine's Day, 2019 or 2020. Yeah. Oh, sorry, 2020. Oh, yeah, I was home. Uh, what what did we do? I think we went, because she and I love to go on, go to nice hotels and maybe go get massages and things like that. So I think we did that. But I will say this, though. My favorite Valentine's Day with her, what we did, or, or actually, I'll say my favorite date. How about this? My favorite date. It was actually on her birthday. And it was, at this point, we kind of knew we're probably going to get married. I took her <laughs> to some absolutely ridiculous homes just to see. I mean, I tried to use my, you know, pentatonics, if you will. This is the only time I kind of do. It's like, oh, I remember pentatonic. Can I go see this house? And the realtor was like, okay, fine. We'll let you see this house. And this house is ridiculous. It was like $37 million. I think it was owned by the Huntingtons or something like that. And she went through this thing. She goes, this is amazing and she just could take this in that was probably the, one of the most fun things she and i ever did because she just never thought like why would i be in this house but it was just cool because i think for me and her it's not that we're trying to buy the house it's more that it symbolizes i, I want to start a life with you i want to be with you i want to do this so when i think about our love i'm not just thinking about a, a you know random thing that we get to do i'm thinking about what's the thing that symbolizes forever a home is one of those things so that's that was cool. That was really, really fun. <laughs> yeah, I love that, by the way, too. It's so funny because it's like, you know what? I think when it comes to relationships or trying to impress the woman that you know you're going to marry, right. I think that's like the only time that it's okay to play that card. You know what? I appreciate that because I definitely, definitely played that card. I hate doing that. That's not something I like to do. It doesn't make sense. Look, at the end of the day, we're all normal people just trying to live normal lives and do the best with the gifts that we have. But that time, I was like, look, this is going to be my wife. I got to make sure I got to stamp this one in. <laughs> this is done. Come in. Uh, yeah, I'm using my pedestal stage just a little bit so I can get into this house. <laughs> it was fun. How far into the relationship was that? Um, that was... Yeah, you, well, you know what? We kind of dated pretty quick, to be honest, or, or the process was quick. Uh, so that was probably seven, eight months into us getting to know each other and dating. But we all already knew that we were going to get married. I mean, the, the, the way it happened was I, I met her best friend in 2018. Sorry, in 2017. She and I became really good friends. And then um, she said, she told her friend, I, I have this person, he's kind of religious, but he's just... He seems like a really nice guy, and I feel like he'd be great for you. So that's her best friend, my wife, Lee. So they came to our 
show, the Hollywood Bowl show that we did with the LA, uh, the LA uh, Phil, with uh, Gustavo Dudamel. And then after that, she and I just started to hang out in groups of friends. And then she and I hung out together. And then it, what's funny is that on that, <laughs> the, the December 31st, 2017, going into the new year, we went to go get dinner because we were going to go to a church service. And then she sat me down. She goes, listen, I, I liked you in the fall. And I felt like you like you friend zoned me this whole time. What, what's up with that? And so I said, look, I actually do like you. I'm just so curious to see how this works. And then it went really quick from there. The, those next two months, I mean, I didn't even really know her, her, her Starbucks order because we just went straight into what do you think about kids? What do you think about this lifestyle that I'm living? What do you think about, wh- why do you see this looking long-term? All that stuff. We just went and went, I mean, we, we took the jugular. The, we, we, we took it by this jugular. And by March 3rd, I'll never forget the day because that's the day that I had to do a performance at the school called Loma Linda University. I was about to do the performance. My parents met her and they said, look, if you don't marry this girl, we're going to find somebody that will because she's perfect. <laughs> and then right before the performance, she said, I've never said this to anybody, but it's so hard for me to not say. And then I said, I love you. I just finished her sentence. and I said, yes. And then we kissed each other and we said, I love you too. And from there, honestly, I mean, two months later, I was, we were looking for rings. I proposed to her in October and it was smooth sailing. See, I love that story so much because it's funny. Like, there's actually such an analogy to music because, again, like we talked about with songs, like when you know, you know. Like, there's yeah, just that, like, yeah. I, com- I 100% completely agree. And that's why I think dating in so many ways, sometimes, not sometimes, is analogous to writing an album because you're trying to find the truth of what you need. What, what is the nucleus of the sound of love for you? if you will, right? What is that sound of love? And you have to go through a lot of experimentation when you're just starting off dating, when you're just starting off being an artist. What are those things that actually mean something to you? But then once you figure it out, once you tease it, then you know that nucleus, and then it's easier for you to recognize that, oh, that's, that's the person, because you've been through the process. You know what you need in your life. So I completely agree with you. I completely agree. All right, so make this last question. Let's say Valentine's Day 2022. I'm so confused as to where we are at this point because all time blurs together. (laughs) But let's say Valentine's Day 2022, you can play a show again, presumably. You're going to be out there. Who would be the one artist that you would love to guest with or that have to have guest with you because that one artist to you that represents Valentine's Day? Um, I would definitely say CV Wonder. 100%. 100%. I mean, just the way he sings the, the songs that he's written, I mean, throughout his whole catalog, it just symbolizes so much joy in love. And I think, oh, and I really want to emphasize that because I think a lot of times, especially in the music cycle, if you will, if we're in, a lot of love is very cool and edgy and um, sonically, if you will, right? And I, I, I just miss joy just the ability to smile and laugh uncontrollably and not feel like, oh, that's not cool. That's not, that's not, that doesn't have swagger. Who said joy can't have swagger? And that's exactly what CV Wonder represents to me. Unbridled joy. And I want that more in the industry. I think forget about the industry, dude. I think we just need that more in the world. Huh, that's the truth. <laughs> 
Yeah, I feel like that's a great wrap-up note. I, we're all for unbridled joy, man. And, and Stevie, by the way, I know you've met him as well. You know, the nicest guy in the world. Completely. I love him so much. We, we worked with him on the Grammys, and ever since then, I mean, I've always been a fan, but he just deeply impacted me by his, his human and his humility. It's so funny. You'll appreciate the story then. I'll let you go, but it's funny because this, uh, this came up like, and I was talking about this with Janelle Monet. Mm. And, you know, because Stevie has also been a mentor to so many people in the industry. Right. He works with so many people and he's such a mentor. And we were talking about this and it's like after interviewing Stevie, I came up with the Stevie rule, which is essentially that, you know, you can't be an asshole in the industry because unless you've ever written an album as good as songs in the key of life or Intervisions, you can't get away with it. You, yeah. You've never done anything as good as Stevie, so there's no room. And I was talking, I was telling her that it was the Stevie rule and she was just cracking up and she's like, 100%. It is like there's no because once you've worked with him, you realize there's just no room. The very first time I ever interviewed Stevie, right? <laughs> I'll never forget this dude. Similar to your March third, it was at some awful radio station show. It was just not my world at all. I won't say what it was. I was covering it for Rolling Stone, and the interviews were. I mean, it just wasn't my music. Like the people were fine, sure. but then Stevie it was a random pop show, and then Stevie was the surprise guest. And I waited around afterwards to see if he would talk, and they're like. No, he's not talking to anybody. And then after probably 40 minutes of waiting around, because I was like, I'm going to wait for Stevie. They were like, okay, he'll talk to Rolling Stone. And that's it. And I thought I had five minutes with him. We went into the bus. And in fact, the interview was going so well. And he was so nice. He was just so <sighs> nice and talkative that they actually had to move the tour bus. So then we moved it into the limo so he could keep talking. <laughs> and over the years since, I have gotten yelled at by Stevie's team so many times for like, keep going. I'm like, dude, you, you want me to tell Stevie to shut up? Stevie right, talks, exactly. Man, you know? <laughs> like, I'm going to let Stevie talk until, you know, I don't care what I have to do. I don't care if I haven't eaten in 24 hours. I don't care if I have to go to the bathroom. It doesn't, you know, if Stevie's talking, you sit there and you just listen uninterrupted. Completely. He, oh gosh, just the life experience he's had and all that, how it's, and his career is so vast. Like him, people like Sting, I just love that they really experimented with all the different emotions and capabilities and faculties that they had to make just such beautiful, different, interesting, incredible music. And so that's why I completely agree with you. And I feel like because they've done that and experimented so much, they have so much to say. And that's why I'm like, man, I, I'm right there with you. You sat, you listened, you took it, everything. Because you that's the kind of man you want to take information from when it comes to a music career. And, and just a human that loves music. Just his human. Oh, my gosh. 100%. All right. So, well, because people want to hear your Stevie stories, not mine. What, what, what was the best piece of advice you took from Stevie when you guys did the Grammys together? Oh, my gosh. You know what I would say? It's, one, obviously always be nice, as you were saying. But two, you can always work on your craft. That's the thing that, I mean, was incredible to watch him. He comes in and you could tell he's practiced so much, obviously, throughout his whole life, of course. But he was still always trying to think, oh, no, no, I think I can do this better. I can try this. Oh, no, I can do this better. Well, yeah, let me try. I'm like, you're still trying to figure this out? This is crazy. You are the greatest. I thought it just comes out of you. No, 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 he's still thinking through things and still trying to make sure that it's the best that he can do. And I said, that is the signature of a great artist. That's the signature right there. Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. So when you think of how, well, I got to interview B.B. King once, right? 
Actually, I interviewed BB a couple of times. First time I interviewed BB, he was telling me how he started playing clarinet when he was, I interviewed him when he was 70 and I was so intimidated to interview him. Like I don't get intimidated by it. I was scared shitless because I like him and not see me because at that point I was much younger Uh, and I was like, and and BB was much older. And I was like, what am I going to say to him that hasn't been said before? Don't get me wrong. I was starstruck meeting Stevie. No question. I still get starstruck every time I've ever met Stevie, mm-hmm. but I wasn't nervous because with BB, I was here, but it was interesting. The only reason I bring it up, not to name drop is because he said something so interesting to me. He said, look, he's like, I asked him why he just started playing clarinet. He's like, because every day that you don't learn something is a day wasted. So for you as an artist, wow. let's wrap that up with you. How do you then apply that to pentatonics in your music to know that the legends like Stevie and BB do take that thing of like, they're working on their craft every single day. There's never, there's never that like, okay, I've done this. You know, I can just rest on my laurels. Right, of course. Well, I think I think the lucky ones, the album is a culmination of just that. I mean, the fact that we said we're not going to rest on our laurels, we could just continue doing these covers. And I think we would be fine. You know, we can tour every single year. We can do that normal cycle. But there's something about being vulnerable in a completely different way. It's so funny. We're already naked with our voices, if you will, because we have nothing else. Now we're being naked with our personal stories. I think that's something that took a lot of guts to do, especially after having gone through already one original album, but to do that and to experiment once again, sonically with vocal production that we have never done before. Not sure if the fans are gonna enjoy it, not sure if the purists are going to think we've gone off the deep end. That's That kept us hungry, that kept us interested, that kept us, I mean, on our feet. And so that's why I'm so excited for when we have to figure out how to even perform these songs, because once again, there's more stuff in there now, but that's an exciting challenge. That, that, that keeps us going, that keeps us fired up. Cool, and on that note, I think we wrapped it up nicely, because I mean, you and I could just sit and geek out on stories Literally, all day long. I was about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, all day long, we could just sit, talk to, you know. 100%. I'm, sure I asked you, I'm sure I asked you this last time. Who's the one artist that you, you haven't met yet that you want to? Ooh. That's a good question. It's so funny because I met Sting and that was the one where I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know what? I will actually do a modern artist just because the weekend, I'm actually so unbelievably curious about his process. I really, because the way he thinks about his vocals, the way he thinks about his stories, they come from a completely different place that just so many people don't know how to tap into because he's probably had different life experiences than anybody else. So I just, I just want to know. And sonically, his stuff is so, um, there's a dark lushness to his music that is, it's just bewildering to me. And how he translated it to a pop mainstream career, I, I, I just want to sit down with him and talk to the, to, to the guy, just know, hey, how, what, what were you thinking about when you are writing that song, this song, doing that? I, I'm just curious. Cool. Anything you want to add we didn't talk about? Because we hit upon a lot again. No, man. Thank you so much for having me on this interview. And for me, it's really fun because I know, you know you're interviewing the artist, but for me, I have a lot of fun speaking to people like you because... You're the one that's had so much more life experience than I have. You've seen all the greats. You've seen the people that have made music history. So I feel like I always have more to learn from the interviewer because 
you've interviewed practically everybody. So that's why for me, it's, it's, it's actually really, really fun. No, dude, it's a pleasure. I love talking with you because we just sit and geek out. You, you can tell when someone really loves music, you know, Completely. like when someone really, you know, when someone really appreciates music and it's like, and also, I mean, you know, the thing is too, it's important to never get like, never lose that sense of fandom. Completely. It's been, it's been 17 years since I interviewed James Brown and I will still sit there and think about the fact Wait, how the fuck did I get to talk to James Brown? That's so cool. <laughs> right. I still sit there and think about like, how does that even happen? Completely. A hundred percent. I completely agree with you. That's, you've had, you've, I don't know, you just have an interesting life, I think, because you've taken so much of what other people's processes and stuff is. So I, anyway, just really excited that I got to do this interview with you. No, dude, it's my pleasure anytime. And I mean, look, we know there's an audience for it every time you do it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> All right, dude, thanks so much, man. Congratulations on the record, and I appreciate the time. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, this is Steve Vault, and you've been listening to My Turning Point with Kevin Olasula from Pentatonix. Thanks so much for joining us. Finding the perfect project manager isn't easy. But at Upwork, we found him. He's in Adelaide. Between his color-coordinated sticky note collection and the cutest box lunch we have ever seen. And you can find him right now on Upwork.com. When the world is your workforce, finding the perfect project manager, designer, developer, or whomever you may need tends to fall right into place. Find top-rated talent who can start today on Upwork.com. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.